It's time. Time for what, you might ask? It's time to optimize your health and upgrade your life. Cutting-edge research, biohacks, ancestral wisdom, wellness, intuition, and more. This is The Synthesis of Wellness. Your host and biohacker Chloe Porter has a background in engineering, innovation, and research. Her analytical background coupled with her journey in overcoming a brain tumor and defeating several chronic illnesses enables her to approach health and wellness in an innovative way. And now more than ever, she is ready to share her biohacking secrets and expose cutting edge research. We are so glad you're here. Welcome to the Synthesis of Wellness podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Synthesis of Wellness podcast. If you are new here, I am Chloe Porter, and I have experience with and the history of Lyme disease, SIRS or mold toxicity, a brain tumor, and much more. <laughs> so my journey ultimately compelled me to help others seek their own state of optimal health and wellness, however that may look. So I am here today, and I just wanted to give you that little introduction if you are new to this podcast. So I hope you not only find this podcast insightful and helpful, but also comforting and reassuring, um, as health struggles, as you know, can be very isolating and frustrating. So thank you all for tuning in, and without further ado, let's just jump right in. So today I wanted to talk about a few different topics, um, the first of which is information versus experience slash personality or opinion. So as the host of the Synthesis of Wellness podcast and the personality behind this brand, I personally aim to provide you with as much health and wellness information and research as possible while giving you my personal experience or take on that information. And I hope to deliver all of this in a very harmonious way so that you can get the most out of it. However, lately, one thing that has come to my attention is in stating unity between information and research and personality and experience. So when you choose to consume content via, you know, a podcast or social media, video, YouTube, whatever it is, you are in a sense building a bond with the individual you are consuming the content from. You know, you are trusting them to put their best foot forward and Maybe you're just a one-off listener, or maybe you're a repeat listener, or maybe you're a repeat content consumer of a certain 
person or doctor or researcher or influencer, whatever you want to call them, you're consuming their information. So you're building a bond. So with that said, as a researcher, podcast host, and more, I want to give you guys, my audience, you know, as much useful and actionable information in the shortest time possible in order to maximize the benefit. I've never been one to endorse information fluff or even shove my personal opinion on my audience, which many creators, unfortunately and unintentionally, I would hope, might do. Um, and I, I just don't see the benefit in that. You know, I'm not here to give you this ride or die opinion. I'm here to give you information and then follow up that information with my own personal experience, maybe some inspiration, maybe some of my life story, let you follow along. That's my goal. So unfortunately, I feel like traction in this creator space sometimes comes from polarization and having these opinions. Meaning that if you aren't opinionated and controversial for the sake of being controversial, your information might get overlooked. Again, this is very unfortunate, but bringing attention to this is important because conveying accurate rather than opinionated information is the goal. It is my goal. Furthermore, I want to add to this, the goal is not to polarize. Polarization only brings stagnation. It does not bring progress in any way, shape, or form. It just creates argument, and it really just creates noise. We aren't focused on progressing because we're just creating a bunch of noise in the meantime. And that noise is controversy, polarization, opinion, and not research, inspiration, or experience, which it should be. So some great examples of this, carnivore versus vegan. You know, there's so much debate out there about that. Um, Cardio versus powerlifting. Again, tons of debate. And I have my own personal um, opinions on those things. But who am I to say that one of those is going to work for you? I certainly cannot say that. But I know what works for me. And so, of course, I'm going to lean in to those modalities. You know, I know vegan does not work for me. However, maybe it will work for other people. Maybe other people get all the nutrients they need and they feel good on it. I am not here to polarize that audience and say that one is right and one is wrong. All I'm here is to share my experience, my life journey. Um, my research and information and allow you as a biohacker to form your own opinions. So that, I mean, that's why I aim to provide research-backed information. You are the biohacker. You know you best. So along this same line, the idea of information delivery versus personality delivery, I want to dive into just a touch. So as the podcast host and kind of personality behind the brand, 
I aim to not only be a robotic researcher that just supplies the audience with information-filled lectures, posts, articles, email, newsletters, whatever it is, but instead I really aim to be a person who you can relate to, converse with, and get some support from. I want to inspire you to feel your best every single day and to always be seeking a state of happiness through optimal health and wellness. I want to do this by sharing my experiences and my life with you, but not my ride or die opinion. So I know that was a bit long, but here are my takeaways. I don't believe in polarization. I believe in research. I don't stand for fluff. I instead believe in providing as much value to you guys as humanly possible. I don't seek to be a research robot. I seek to be an individual with a hopefully inspiring and insightful story that continues to share her life, health, and wellness research and message with the world. And in doing all this, I aim to not provide a polarized opinion, but rather use my life and experiences to further illustrate the research and health and wellness information that I do provide, and hopefully in an inspiring way. Okay, now that we have that out of the way, let's move on and talk about some of the other topics I wanted to address in today's episode. The first of these topics is the oral microbiome. And I'll kind of address my own oral microbiome routine as well to give you a little bit of insight. I truly think the oral microbiome gets ignored way too often. Just think, every time you eat or drink, you could be taking in these pathogenic oral microbes into your gastrointestinal system and literally allowing them to colonize in other places in your body. The body, of course, has checks and balances to help kill the pathogenic microbes present in our food um, and even in our mouth, but a dysbiotic oral microbiome is simply just adding to the pathogen load. And really, it could potentially lead to gut dysbiosis. In fact, I found this research study, which was really pretty cool. Um, But one research study, it was recently published in 2022, so just a little bit ago, said dysbiosis of the gut microbiome is believed to exacerbate the progression of IBD. Okay, yes, that makes sense. Gut, IBD, yes. Okay, moving on. Recently, increasing evidence has also linked oral microbiota dysbiosis with the development of IBD. Okay, now we're getting into some interesting stuff. Lastly, on the one hand, IBD patients show significantly unbalanced composition and function of the oral microbiome known as dysbiosis. On the other, overabundances of oral commensal bacteria with opportunistic pathogenicity have been found in the gut microbiome of IBD patients. Okay, that's kind of a mouthful, but 
I will share the link for this study in the show notes, by the way. But let's just break that down a little bit. The article is basically saying that often patients with IBD or irritable bowel disease have oral dysbiosis, which is a huge claim to make because if you're thinking about it, that basically is saying the majority of people that have irritable bowel disease also coincidentally have dysbiosis of the oral microbiome. So there's some kind of connection there. Furthermore, the article is also saying that in some cases, irritable bowel disease patients even have overabundances of oral pathogenic microbes in their gut. So that's also a huge statement because that's basically saying that these patients who do have IBD actually have some of those oral pathogens in their gut. So they've escaped the oral cavity. So that first statement, we were kind of associating oral dysbiosis with irritable bowel disease, but now we're specifically targeting the fact that these patients might even have these oral pathogenic microbes actually in their gut. So these oral microbes can escape the mouth or oral cavity and colonize elsewhere in the body. This is one of the main reasons why I always, always, always work with my dentist if I'm having an unusual gut flare-up. So what are some of the preventative ways, you know, that work for me keeping my own oral microbiome balanced? Note that these are definitely not in any particular order, um, but let's go ahead and dive into some of the things that I do to just keep my oral microbiome healthy on a maintenance preventative level. First, I like using a silver nanoparticle gel. So silver acts as an antimicrobial to kill many pathogenic microbes. And in one study in particular, silver gel was effective in preventing biofilm formation by staphylococcus mutans, um, staphylococcus salivarius, and a few others, um, but it literally was effective in preventing these biofilm formations. And, and a side note, biofilms are basically composed of these protective substances that allow bacteria to form little colonies uh, that are somewhat shielded from environmental factors. So preventing biofilm formation is huge when it comes to preventing bacterial colonization and further dysbiosis in the mouth. Note that all three of these microbes uh, that I mentioned above contribute to tooth decay and plaque formation, which is huge because silver, the silver gel is effective in preventing the biofilm formation and therefore preventing the colonization of this bacteria because the colonization of this bacteria can lead to tooth decay and plaque formation. So all that goes to say that silver gel could potentially help keep your teeth from decaying in the long term and even from plaques forming on them. Pretty cool stuff. Um, so that's why I 
love silver gel in particular and do use it in my routine. I will also link the research study for that one in the show notes as well. Another thing I do is use a water pick. I really think this comes down to personal preference, but in my case, I floss and I use a water pick. I use my water pick first. Uh, This might be TMI, but if there's something, you know, stuck in my teeth, I don't want to dig at it with floss and make my gums bleed. I've done that way too much in my life, especially after having braces. Uh, For some reason, when I got them off, I had this tiny little place in the back of my mouth that no matter what, food always got stuck and it never was that way before I got braces. Um, And, you know, working with my biological dentist now, he told me they kind of left some, um, I'm not sure what kind of cementy stuff it is, but they left some in my mouth and it caused a lot of issues for a significant period of time. So anyways, getting back on topic, this has saved me from really unnecessarily and accidentally even irritating my gums. Just using that water pick first, getting whatever is stuck out, and then using the floss to finish up. Okay, moving on to the next thing. This isn't necessarily for the oral microbiome benefits, but I do use a fluoride-free toothpaste. I don't like fluoride, and especially since it is a neurotoxin, among other things. I have a history of dealing with neurotoxins through Lyme and SIRS. These biotoxins are in them, in and of themselves neurotoxins, so I don't need to add to that load. And I've worked hard to clear that load as well. Moving on, I also use a hydroxyapatite-based tooth powder. So in oral care products, hydroxyapatite, sometimes abbreviated HA, uh, is a biocompatible calcium phosphate, which is used for tooth remineralization, reduction of tooth sensitivity, oral biofilm control, and even tooth whitening. That's a lot, that's really cool. This is probably one of my favorite products, honestly. But again, we see oral biofilm control. This is great. This is balancing the oral microbiome, keeping it under control, keeping those pathogens out. So I'll also say this stuff really does wonders when it comes to natural tooth whitening. I personally love it uh, for its biofilm benefits, but it is also pretty nice to see nice, bright white teeth. So that, that's just a side note. So those are some of my oral microbiome supporting staples, but they're more for maintenance and prevention. And there are a variety of different things that can really disrupt the oral microbiome, like not taking care of your cavities appropriately or a root canal gone wrong, so on and so forth. So again, I just kind of mentioned my routine staples for maintenance and prevention. This is not you know, a routine to take care of a root canal gotten wrong or a rotting tooth, etc. This is prevention. So finding a good biological dentist or holistic dentist is honestly just so important. 
because you want these procedures to be done correctly. You want any rot, any decay to be taken care of. And you also want to have trust in knowing that the products being used are not actually toxic to your gut, to your brain, to your body. So yes, I would definitely recommend finding a good biological or holistic dentist. Another topic I wanted to cover in today's Q&A episode is butyrate, the gut, GLP-1, and berberine. So let's kind of start with the motivation for this section of today's episode, GLP-1. This is probably something you've heard of, and you've probably heard of Ozempic or semaglutide, which is the peptide that Ozempic is based around, and all these other diabetes drugs or peptides, therapies, whatever you want to call it, for controlling blood sugar and even weight loss. Trying to kind of mimic GLP-1 or provide GLP-1 agonists synthetically may work for some individuals in certain cases, but I do want to discuss a couple of natural alternatives to this. So first of all, let's talk about berberine because that one's kind of the hot topic in the holistic world right now. Berberine is just a compound, it's a supplement, and it reduces blood glucose by accelerating GLP-1 production in the intestinal L cells. So what does that actually mean though? We have cells that line the gut. These are epithelial cells. There are many different types of epithelial cells, and one of these is called the L cell. It can secrete gut hormones like GLP-1 when certain receptors are activated, and berberine happens to activate a receptor that can stimulate the production of GLP-1 by these intestinal L cells. However, this is often given as a supplement. So I just want to also kind of dive into this a step further and discuss a way that you can increase your production of GLP-1 to control your blood sugar more effectively without going straight to a supplement like berberine. Because our gut should naturally, our gut microbiome should naturally produce butyrate. And what is butyrate? It's a short chain fatty acid produced by our gut microbes, specifically those probiotics, the good gut microbes, as a result of their metabolism of indigestible carbohydrates. So when we consume indigestible carbs and they go to our gut, our gut microbes, digest, metabolize, and produce butyrate. Now this butyrate can actually activate some receptors on those epithelial cells, as we were talking about earlier, and stimulate GLP-1 production. So it's doing the same thing, except we're not supplementing. We're supporting our body's natural production of GLP-1 through butyrate production. Butyrate is important for the gut for a variety of reasons, 
but gut hormone secretion is one of those reasons. So I just wanted to touch on that a little bit since I knew this was a very hot topic uh, in both the holistic world and even conventional medicine right now with all these GLP-1 agonists and even GLP-1 accelerating supplements like berberine. But just know when you foster a healthy gut microbiome that is balanced and has a wide variety of probiotics within it and is fed these prebiotic indigestible carbs, you're producing butyrate. So when you can take care of your gut and make sure that is optimized, then you will have optimal butyrate levels. And with optimal butyrate levels, you're more likely to have, first of all, you're more likely to have better functioning gut lining cells since most of these cells that line your gut use butyrate as an energy source. But you're also going to have a little bit of enhanced GLP-1 secretion or other gut hormone secretion since butyrate can trigger this by activating those receptors. So it's all pretty cool stuff, but I just wanted to touch on that. I think that is where we will wrap up this Q&A episode for today. So if you guys liked this episode in particular, please leave a rating and review. I love reading all of those and feel free to screenshot the episode, post it on your stories over on Instagram, tag me in it. I'd love to personally thank you for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am very excited to bring a couple of awesome guests on here soon. So stay tuned for the next one. Thanks, guys. The content provided by the Synthesis of Wellness LLC via its podcast and domain is for informational purposes only and should not be used as medical advice or as a replacement for medical care. The Synthesis of Wellness podcast, synthesisofwellness.com, The Synthesis of Wellness LLC, and Chloe Porter disclaim responsibility from adverse effects resulting from using the content provided. Please seek and consult a licensed physician for your health and medical needs. Furthermore, Chloe Porter and the Synthesis of Wellness podcast are not responsible for the opinions of guests featured on the podcast.